Tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and turn there. And I want to share with you out of verses 18 through 25. As we read here, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And you might want to underline that because really that's the, the key you know, to the Christmas message. And, and so it says in verse 22, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. This is out of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And that's another one, if you're okay in writing in your Bible or whatever, that you might want to underline or circle or highlight, because I think that that's the, the other promise that we kind of hold on to with all of our heart, no matter what we're going through, that God is with us. And so it says in verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, in verse 1 of chapter 2, I know it's probably a couple years later, um, but for whatever reason, God has kind of, in one sense, allowed it to be part of the Christmas story, I, I think, in his grace and sovereignty. Um, now, you guys might know this. Uh, I remember was, I was talking to one of the sisters, and I gave her that information that this didn't happen on the day that Jesus was born, on the night that Jesus was born, and she had thought this was the way it was for years, and she was like, no, are you serious? No, I can't believe it. You know, this ruins the nativity scene or whatever, you know? You see the three kings there. But, but I think it's still something that, that we should include. And I'll tell you why as we go through. Look at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And so now where it uses the word young child, he's, so he's a little older now. Some say maybe up to two years old, um, but they found him. You know, these guys that have been probably trained by Daniel 
uh, over in Babylon. They were, they were the students of the, of the prophecies. They knew that his star was coming. They came, and it's just so cool to see the way they found him. And it says in verse 10, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. You know, Matthew, in writing his gospel, he writes to the Jews in one sense and presents Jesus as king. And a lot of times, you know, when you think of the Lord's birth, maybe you don't put the connection there because, you know, we see him as a baby. But you guys know this, huh? That this baby was born to die. But not just die. One day he would rule as king. And that, that's important for us to have that Christmas connection because in this world, um, and I'm sure the longer you've lived and the more you look around and see what's going on in the world, um, I don't care who the president is or who the, the leaders are or what the agenda is going on. Um, you know, we might slow things down, but we definitely can't fix this world. Um, we're learning that, that, that we need Jesus to come. And so you have to make that connection, you guys. You have to make that connection where Jesus was born uh, for a cross, but not just a cross, eventually a crown. And he is coming soon. You know, we see that. We see the signs, and we'll talk a little bit about those things today. But back in verse 18, as we begin to kind of break it up a little bit, the, the birth of Jesus Christ, he says, was as follows. And so this is kind of how it happened. These were the things that kind of went down. If you try to rewind and say, okay, what, how did it you know, happen? Matthew provides the experience of Joseph as Luke covers the experience of, of Mary. And we're going to see both are necessary because the accounts are from God to two teenagers. Think about it. And the father had chosen these two teenagers, probably, you know, to raise his son, which is pretty amazing. Any teenagers here? I'm just curious. You know, back in those days, they would get married younger. And so, um, you know, obviously, this is the culture back then. And the Lord chose Joseph. The Lord chose Mary. And the angels appeared to them. It says in verse 18 that the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows after his mother Mary it says, was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was pregnant. She was with this child of the Holy Spirit. And so we read here that they were um, betrothed, that it was before they had come together. Um, this is something in those days, it was not marriage. It would be actually be better described as a legally binding engagement period in which the young couples had committed to each other, uh, undoubtedly arranged by the parents, um, but they were not yet fully married in the sense that they had not consummated the marriage. And so before they came together, right here, um, Joseph and Mary had not been intimate. Uh, this guy finds out that his fiance is pregnant. Now, for you guys, maybe if you can put yourself in a situation like that, imagining those circumstances, uh, definitely would be uh, troubling. And then to kind of further complicate matters, Mary tells Joseph that, that God 
is the father. You know, that she's been faithful to Joseph and she's been faithful to God. She's been chosen to bear uh, the Messiah. And uh, you know, she maybe even told Joseph, we've been chosen to raise him together. And so you guys know we've gone over this story all our lives, right? Um, we would have a hard time believing such a story, right? And so we wouldn't believe it. We see that Joseph didn't either. And so we read in verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. I mean, for her to to be pregnant, um, to her to be sexually active prior to marriage was actually illegal. It was something that uh, in those days was definitely uh, not common. It was so against the Jewish law that it carried with it the death penalty, uh, according to Leviticus 20, verse 10, and Deuteronomy 21, 21, 22 through 21 through 24. And so um, does that mean that everybody did who did that was put to death? And of course, we know the answer is no. Uh, we have the example of John chapter 8, when the woman was caught in adultery, brought to Jesus, and the Lord uh, spared her. The Lord said, um, you know, he was without sin, let him cast the first stone. No one did, and then he told the woman, has anyone condemned you? She said, no, neither do I, Jesus said, but go and sin no more. And so not everyone who died, you know, died who committed adultery, but what we see right here, when Joseph sees what's going on, he could have probably made a case based on the Bible to do this to Mary, but um, uh, undoubtedly heart- heartbroken, angry, uh, convinced that the one he loved had been unfaithful to him, he decided not to do that. You know, we read in verse 19 that Joseph didn't want to make her a public example, that somehow, some way, Mary might be spared the sentence and the shame that would accompany such activity. And we read the reason there in verse 19. It says that he was a just man. Uh, It's interesting because that's the same way Jesus is described in in the scriptures in Matthew 27, 19, uh, as a a just man. And so um, he's convinced Mary has committed adultery. uh, And the worst part about it is that she hasn't confessed. She hasn't, you know, repented. That's why we would perceive uh, repentance, confession, right? And so um, here she is blaming on God. And so, you know, they're on the doorsteps of divorce. Now, this is kind of how it went down, you guys. This is what was going on back then. And so um, I, I don't know. When I, when I read a story like this, when I read uh, just how, I don't know, God, why did you do this? Why did it happen this way? Um, I know that Mary had to be, have the, the, the child born uh, as a virgin. She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We read that in Luke oh, chapter 1. We read it in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that this would be a sign, right? That Jesus had to be pure, that there had to be no sin nature within him, right? That the child was there conceived in order to be the spotless lamb for our sins. But still, I mean, Lord, couldn't you have made it easier? Or somehow, some way, maybe, why did the angel have to appear to Mary and Joseph separately? Why didn't he do it together? Why, Lord, does it, it doesn't seem like the way that we would plan things out. And so much of life is like that. I mean, as you're, as you're going through life, you, you definitely are learning that, you know? Um, like Henry was saying, we we're, we're now have graduated, we're no longer young adults, and, you know, we're going through life and... Um, 
Sometimes we can question God. And we can ask him, Lord, um, I think if it were me, I would have probably done it this way. I mean, for sure, Gabriel appearing to Mary and Joseph together would have made things a whole lot easier. And Lord, by the way, uh, let me tell you a little bit about my life. Let me tell, tell you a little bit about my world that I live in. And if it were up to me, I would do it a little different. I think this, this doesn't make any sense to me. But, but it's at this point, you know, that, that we learn, you know, to trust God. You know, Joseph would be a husband, and Joseph was going to be married to Mary. And I know this is not the same thing, but, you know, um, you know sometimes wives, they'll, they'll do things that we don't understand, you know. And, and, you know, as a husband, you know, you're, 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 you're seeking God, you're asking him for wisdom. And then, and then at the end of the day, what, where God wants to bring us to, all of us, husband, wife, single people, is just trusting him. Just trusting him. You know, um, I think that, that God was working in Joseph, that God was working in Mary. I'll bet you almost anything that these two teenagers were some pretty amazing teenagers, wouldn't you say? I mean, I'll, I'm, no one's perfect, that's for sure. But if you're the father looking for the one to raise your son, I'll bet you almost anything that they were pretty solid in their commitment to Christ. They were pretty you know, right on. But, but even if you are solid, even if you are right on, God's going to take you through trials. God is going to deepen your faith especially if you have such a monumental task as this. And so God, he begins to, to work in, 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 in Joseph. He begins to work in Mary. They begin to learn to listen to the voice of God. You know, one of the things you'll find when you get married is that you, you have a, a relationship with God you know, together, but you also have a relationship with God that's very personal. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I usually go and I spend my time with God. You know, and the Lord speaks to me. And my wife, you know, she'll wake up and she'll go and spend time with God. And, and he speaks to her. And, and, you know, as you're going through life as a married couple, it's important that you have that personal, intimate relationship with God. You know, and then as God speaks to me, and then God speaks to her, and then we come together, and what did the Lord show you? And then next thing you know, well, I don't understand. Well, now God begins to then harmonize things, and he has this plan. He has this amazing plan. Now, I know us here, we're not called, you know, necessarily to be pregnant with Jesus. We're not called necessarily to raise him as a child, but we are called to carry him to the world. You guys know that, right? We are called to tell others about Jesus. And so God will do things. Sometimes we don't understand. And he'll begin to move in ways, you know, that, that are tough. Now, the key, though, is, is to listen. How many of you here believe that God can speak to you? You don't have to raise your hand, but... You better. You should if I, if I said, okay, you got to tell me for sure. You know, because uh, I, that's a very important for us. It's very important for us to have this understanding that, that God can speak to us. Now, we know he's spoken through the word. We have the Bible. It's written there for us. Thank God for the Bible. But, but I also believe that we have the 
Holy Spirit living inside of us if we're Christians. And if we're looking at life, we just start looking at these little signs. And, and if you're listening, I believe that God is speaking. Sometimes it's a dream. You know, I was thinking about my, my brother Joey, who God called home in, in a time that I would say is, is far too early. Far too early. And I have, you know, questions and things about that. But I was thinking about how certain little signs kind of led up to, to this and even talking to the family. And it was almost like these little things that God was showing you that to some people it would be nothing. To some, they, they would just, it would just pass on by. But to those who are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, um, it, 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 it just, you can tell God's talking. You know, I, I had the opportunity, we had the opportunity to pray with him on Sunday. That doesn't happen all the time. And then, you know, the next day, exchanging text messages with him, that, that didn't happen all the time. And then even the text message that, that he sent me, he said, uh, I'll see you soon, Lord willing. That was his last text. And the, it takes me back to the book of James, where James, he tells us, he says, hey, um, your life is a vapor. And we don't know if we have tomorrow. You know, he talks about how some people make all these plans and, well, next year we're going to do this and we're going to have this big old, you know, make a lot of money and this and that and the other. We'll go to that city and we'll buy, we'll sell, we'll do all these things. And James says, you shouldn't live life that way. Your life is a vapor. You don't know if you'll have tomorrow. What you ought to do is say, we're going to do these things, Lord willing. Because we don't know if we'll have tomorrow. And, and for my brother to text me that, that, that's his last text message. And then just some of the little things. I mean, I don't know if you guys think it's significant, but you know, for those of you who know the story, there, there was a UPS guy that, that, found, that identified this individual and just different things. That, um, talking to the family. It was almost as if the Lord was saying, Joey had even been saying, I'm ready. Where does that come from? It comes from a God who, if we're listening, will tell us little things about our life that will help us. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we agree with all of his decisions because we don't know everything the way he knows it, but it, it kind of carries us through. One thing we know he loves us. And that's enough. That has to be enough, you guys. Because he gave his son. You got to listen. Joseph, thank God, was listening. Um, he didn't just have this dream and say, hey, I ate too many tacos. No, this is what he does. Look at verse 20. But while he thought about these things, he's thinking about divorce, he's having a hard time with his wife. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, some will tell you that this is the angel Gabriel, uh, the, but the Bible doesn't say that. We, we do know that an angel appeared uh, to Joseph, and if I was a betting man, I'd say this is probably Gabriel, but we're not 100% sure. All I know is that the angel appears to Joseph in a dream, uh, and, and while the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary while she was awake, either way, the angel comes, he says to Joseph, 
Don't be afraid to say I do. Don't be afraid, Joseph, because it's true what she's saying. And so the child within the womb of Mary is supernaturally conceived by God, the Holy Spirit. And even before ultrasounds were invented, they knew it was a boy. <laughs> and, uh, and he tells them, his, you're going to name him Jesus. And so that's going to be his name. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and I pray you guys would know this one by heart. Matthew one twenty one, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. How many of you guys are, are, are happy about that one? Because you guys are sinners, man, big time. I mean, we've all blown it, huh? How many of you guys blew it today? You're honest enough to say, yeah, I blew it. Both hands up, right? You know, I don't know how much time I have left. and Maybe I'll see you soon. Is Manny, your day is going to be soon too. We don't know. But one thing I know is I'm saved from my sins because Jesus came. This is really why we celebrate Christmas. You guys, it's not because, you know, Jesus came and life is so easy now. Jesus came and it's going to be comfortable and and convenient and everything's going to go smooth now. No, Jesus didn't really come to change this world. He came to change us. Hopefully there's a sanctification going on in our own life. But really, the main reason he came, like we read earlier, is because he's the king. And one day he will start, you know, there's going to be a new world. After the rapture, seven-year tribulation, a thousand-year reign of Christ, and then, boom, the new heaven and the new earth forever and ever and ever and ever. That is joy to the world. That is. And so here, you know, Joseph, uh, he gives, you know, he gets the, the information. This is what you're going to name him. His name is, is going to be Jesus. And, and, the, and the, the word in, in the Hebrew, Yehoshua, uh, it, it means that Yehovah is salvation. You know, do you guys ever, like, I don't know about you, but every day I thank God for my salvation. Every day. Do you? You should. We should thank him that we're saved, huh? The word saved, it can mean a lot of different things. Uh, It needs to be taken in context. It can be spoken in the surroundings of baseball. For example, Mariano Rivera has the most saves in baseball. How many of you guys, how many think he has? 652 saves over 19 seasons in the big leagues. And so you you might think, well, that's what saved means. Or also, um, the word saved can be spoken in financial settings. Economists are of the opinion that we should all be saving at least 10% of our gross income. Any of you guys doing that? No, not this time of year, huh? Uh, It can be spoken of being saved from death, from fires, from drowning, from choking. I mean, you name it. Um, I think most of the time the word saved is used in a good sense, but but definitely within the biblical context, the, the, the use of the word it's important for us to understand that what the salvation of our souls really means. You know, Jesus came to save our souls from the just judgment and penalty for our sins. 
and you will call his name Jesus. Why? Why does this sound good? Most people will name their children after somebody or they'll name their children because it's a popular name of the day or whatever. It flows off their lips. Um, but, but why are you going to name him Jesus? And he, he, the reason is, and we have to know this, because he will save us from our sins. And if you could, if there's anything that I'll test you on afterwards, you have to know these three words or you don't get a free cocoa, okay? <laughs> uh, he's come to save us from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, and then one day, from the presence of sin. And I think it's important for us to know that. You know, you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Well, who's his people? His people are the ones who accept him as Lord and Savior. His people are the ones who place their faith in him, who believe in him, who know that he came, and it wasn't just a baby born that Christmas day, and this is not about Santa Claus. This is about the coming of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, Coming, growing, teaching, dying, rising again. And I believe in him. And one day when I stand before God and I'm there at heaven's door, it won't be because I was a good person that God's going to allow me in. It won't be because, well, he was a pastor. That means nothing. It will be because I, I believe. I have placed my faith in Jesus And therefore, he he will save his people. That's how we become his people. He will save us from our sins, from the power of sin, number one. I used to drink. I used to get high. I used to do all the things the world had to offer. And I couldn't stop because I had no power. But when I became a Christian, I had power. See, he saves us from the power of sin. I used to be in bondage to that, but not any longer. Isn't it cool? Some of you guys can testify to that, huh? When you came to Jesus, he gave you power over sin. Now, it doesn't mean we don't sin. It doesn't mean that we can't sin, but it now means at least we had the power not to. And so he saved us from the power of sin. He saved us from the penalty of sin, which is what? It's, it's hell, which is just... You know, the men's central jail is just a holding tank for eternal judgment. He saved me from that. I know. And if you, you know, some people question hell. Well, I don't think a good God would make a hell. Um, one thing I know, I know for sure because the Bible says, but number two, because I know who I am apart from Christ. You know, he saved me from that. Every day I I wake up and I thank God um, that he has not given me what I deserve. He saved me from the power of sin. He saved me from the the penalty of sin. And he he saved me from the presence of sin. And can you guys imagine one day what it's going to be like when we're home in heaven? Can you guys, isn't that like, that's the source of joy, huh? I mean, no more sin, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more death. No more devil. One day we'll be there, and I can't even begin to imagine what it's going to be like. All the colors and all the music and all the the love and the presence of God. You see, this is what Christmas is. Joseph, you're going to have a little boy, and you're going to call his name Jesus, which means 
Jehovah is salvation because he will save his people from their sins. And this is why we worship. This is why you guys drive through the rain, you know, to be here. It's not about a church. It's not about uh, another individual other than the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when the angel gave Joseph the instructions, it's so cool, we read in verse 22, so all this was done that I might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You know, we find this right here, such a beautiful thing to see from Isaiah 7:14 written 700 years before Christ was born you know that it's biblical that it was God's plan all along you know this right here um this promise it carries us through everything you know it doesn't mean that we're not going to go through hard times it doesn't mean that we're now that we're christians that we're guaranteed you know we never have to experience the floods we never have to experience the fire we never have to experience the failures no that's not what he's saying it just means that we never have to experience them alone that he himself will never leave us nor forsake us and that's why I love Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three guys that went into the fire. You know, they didn't compromise, and that brought them to that place. They wouldn't bow down to the image, and so they go into the fire. God didn't prevent them from not going into the fire. You would figure, well, they love you, and they stand out from the whole wide world, and God, why wouldn't you spare them such a horrible thing to go into the fire? But God allowed them to go in. The only difference was the king saw them and they said, hey, wait a minute, what's going on there? He's scratching his head. Didn't we just throw three guys in there and there's fourth? There's another guy in there and he looks like the son of man. This may be, you know, my favorite part of Christmas. That we have this one, Isaiah seven fourteen. They, they, they didn't name him Emmanuel, but they acknowledged him as, as being Emmanuel, that because Jesus has come, you know, we're never, ever alone. Hebrews 13, 5 says, be content with such things as you have. It says, don't be asking for the great Christmas gifts. That's really what it says right there. Be content with such things. How many of you guys are here and you're like, I have everything I need. I'm just curious. A lot of us are like that. Now, some of you are like, no, I want a, I want a few things, okay? <laughs> That's okay. It's all right. It's all part of the spirit of giving, how God gave his son and gave us life, and it's just a beautiful thing to exchange gifts, right? But, but it does say, Hebrews 13, 5, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, when you take that verse in context, the whole book of Hebrews was about people who were being persecuted because they were Christians, you know, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus gives the great commission. They're going to go out there and you're going to pick up serpents. You're going to be wrestling demons. You're going to be dealing with sickness. You're going to be sacrificing in order to extend the mission, the great commission. And the Lord said there, lo, I am with you always, even in El Monte, <laughs> to the end of the age. 
But Lord, I don't feel it. Lord, I don't feel your presence. Lord, but, but Lord, I've failed you. I failed you a hundred times today. Well, I don't read anywhere where God says, well, if you failed, then I'm going to leave you. I don't, I don't read that. The beautiful promise is, he's Emmanuel, God with us. You know, one day we'll see it with our eyes. Right now, we just know it by faith. And so, all this was done that it might be fulfilled in the scriptures. Matthew writing to the Jews, he gives them that, that Jewish background. And so what ends up happening when Joseph wakes up, it says in verse 24, then Joseph being aroused from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. A proper response to what God had commanded him to do. He took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Such a beautiful thing. Such a simple story and yet it has changed our life. It has changed the world. Out of all, like I said on Sunday, out of all the 105 billion that have, people that have ever you know, lived and died on planet Earth, there's no one like him. And we come tonight, you know, to worship him. You know, Matthew 2, 1 through 11 is when the wise men come. And by the way, you guys have heard this a million times, but I just want to reiterate it um, because repetition, uh, it teaches even someone like me, a donkey. You know, wise men seek him. Wise men seek him. This is what these guys did. They traveled all the way from Babylon. They came there because they saw his star. These guys in Hollywood that everyone's worshiping, is that, are, those, are those stars? Why do we esteem them? Why? I don't understand, to be honest. This is, this is a superstar right here. And we have to seek him. You know, I, I don't know if you're you know, proactive in that. I don't know if you're reading the Bible the way that you should, but this is where you're going to find him. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. If you want to find Jesus and you want to know him and you want to just see the revelation of God, you know, you're going to have to open up that Bible and you're going to have to open up your heart and you will make the greatest discovery ever. Like these guys did, they got to see him, you know, with their own eyes. The prophecy was there, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that Bethlehem would be the place. And it was so cool. The other day we went over the study of Bethlehem, Ephratha, um, this house of bread. It also means fruitfulness, Ephratha. This is what God wants for us, to, to be satisfied and sustained with the bread of life. This is what these guys ended up with. And as they came to see the baby, they came to see the king. And I, and I just can't help but going back there because I'm considering all that's going on in our country. I'm considering all that's going on in our government. I'm considering all that's going on in United Nations. And, and just the, you start listening to some of these speeches that they're, they're talking about, you know, using climate change as, you know, their motivation. But they're talking about a one world leader who's going to have the military power 
to be able to, you know, enforce his agenda. They're already Prince Charles, who might one day be king. He, he, he said that straight out. You guys, there, we are there. And when I look at what's going on in the whole scene, to me, I mean, I just want to make sure that we connect the, the prophecies, that we connect it. Like Isaiah 9, 6 says, Unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, right? And the government will be upon his shoulders. Right away, as soon as he's born, they're saying, homeboy's king. That's what we see right here. And that's why I like the connection. As soon as he's born, boom, chapter 2, hey, we came to see the king. And so when they came, what did they do? They worshipped him, which we've talked about many times, that this is not just a baby. And Jehovah Witnesses will say it was an angel. No, it wasn't an angel. It wasn't some creature that God created. It was God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity. It was God. That's why they worshipped him. God came to earth. And they gave him those gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the gold, it speaks of his deity, right? And the, the frankincense, it speaks of him being a priest. And then, so you have the king and the priest, and then the myrrh, it, it speaks of his death, how one day he would lay down his life and he would die for us. And I was thinking as I was going through this story right here today, I was just thinking, Lord, even there, even in the beginning, you told me something. When they gave gold and frankincense and myrrh, when they even revealed the prophecy to Mary and they talked about how it would pierce her heart, how even in the, in the beginning, you told us. It doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that it's going to make sense. It doesn't mean that because you're a Christian now everything goes you know, fine and dandy. No, that, no, there's myrrh there. You're talking about his death on the day he was born. So why is that important to know? It's important to know because, like I said earlier, you know, I, we try to fix this world. We try to make it a better place. Don't stop trying, you guys. But just know this, that this is not our home, man. This is not our home. You know, we're just pilgrims passing through. And as you have this relationship with God, yeah, it is the best place to be. The, the best place to be is on the road that leads to heaven. But for us, um, we realize we're going to go through the fire, but we don't have to go through it alone. And so I pray you guys would know that. I pray it would carry you through. I pray it would keep you strong. Because like Peter said, when these things happen, you're not like tripping out saying, hey, I I didn't get a warning about that. No, you did. Don't think it's strange. Considering the fiery trials which are to try your faith. The cool thing about that is it's not just to test it, to find out what it's like, although that's part of it. It's to test it, to make it, even stronger. And so you guys, I, I, this Christmas definitely different for me, probably different for a lot of you for a long time. There were people I was thinking about 
I know my sister Gabby and her family. I was thinking about Elsa and her family and thinking about Veronica and her family. Thinking about so many, so many people in the church who now the holiday season, it's, it can be tough because, you know, someone's missing. And you wonder, well, well Lord, I don't get it. And then the Lord reminds me, I kind of told you the, the whole time. I didn't come necessarily to fix this world. It's broken and it's battered and it's beaten and it's, it's, it's bad. But I do have one coming and that's the one that we have to, that's where our joy is rooted. In that relationship with him, in the kingdom of God that's in one sense invisible, and the one, you know, that is to come. So, you know, when I grew up, I remember I wanted the the stereo system so I can bump Donna, what was her name? Donna Summer? Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to play it strong, you know, and loud. And I remember getting the train set, and it was there sitting under the tree, and I opened it up a little bit, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I got it, you know, before I was supposed to open it, you know. And I'm looking forward to my socks this Christmas. You know, can you? We need them. But um, you guys, we have to be like these wise men. We have to just say, no, 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 no. Lord, I'm going to seek you this Christmas. And as we do, um, God will meet us there. You'll find him when you search for him with, with all of your heart.